Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. This is a CBC podcast. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, very excited because today we are joined by Dr. Shannon Danes. Uh, Dr. Danes is a professor of nursing at the Island University, a resilience researcher, but also the director of Roots to Thrive program, which is a research-based community of practice that provides ketamine-assisted therapy, among other treatments. Yes, you heard it. I said ketamine, which means only one thing. We once again are going to be diving into the conversation of the importance and potential of psychedelics in use for therapy uh, for people living with mental health issues. And I cannot wait to hear what you have to say, Shannon. Um, But I guess where we can start is... um, how did you end up here? How did you How did you end up to be the person who's uh, working with your hands on ketamine and trying to use it as a, a form of therapy for things like PTSD? Thank you. Um, yeah, delighted to be here. I, I came here very much through a personal door. Um, I, like many people, um, did not have an easy go in childhood, came out into adulthood to earn my worth and be good enough and achieve enough and, um, all of that good stuff. And, uh, I, I started studying resilience, um, because really I wanted to know, like I've very colorfully burned out once. And I think I burned out a few times that were just weren't quite as colorful as the one time. So really curious is like why, um, I seem more vulnerable to and, and a lot of that kind of stemming from complex PTSD and really coming to understand mm. what that means and, and also understanding kind of this culture that we live in and and um, how we as humans, and this is kind of the studying of resilience, how do we as humans thrive? How do we flourish? What do we need? What are the key components, mm-hmm. especially in a world of self-help where there's we're flooded with what to do's? Um, and, and psychedelics came quite naturally. Um, and when I say psychedelics, I mean medicines that help um, loosen or the mind manifesting um, outside of our very rigid ego systems and nervous systems um, that often prevent us from doing the, the healing work in a more embodied way. Um, so I, I went down to Peru and did the ayahuasca train um, and mm-hmm was like, oh my goodness, how are we not, you know, um, recognizing these medicines, especially in our culture, uh, where so many of us um, walk around with all sorts of neurotic tendencies. So yeah, that's kind of how I got here was combining resilience and the research and then a personal experience with psychedelics and realizing that um, that these medicines may very well be a way forward, not just mm. personally, but mm-hmm. um, collectively. Shannon, what was it about psychedelics? Because you said it came kind of naturally for you in, in your journey. What was it ab- about psychedelics that sort of initially attracted you to 
exploring more about them. Um, I Before we started recording, I was mentioning that I have a close relationship with a friend who suffers from complex PTSD, who has been to, you know, countless talk therapists and uh, over the course of many, many, many years now. Um, and he's, I don't want to say resistant to psychedelics, but what was it for you that sort of, you know, intrigued you about learning more? Yeah, I um, I was describing it to a friend the other day is, uh, you know, especially for some, it's not like this for everybody, but um, for me, I, I, from a very young age, I, I have been in my head in kind of survival mode and it's a hypervigilant quality. It's very common with PTSD, especially complex PTSD. And what that usually means is there tends to be a disconnection between the mind and then the spirit body. They're like separate, like cut off at the neck, right? So it's like constantly securing to the outside world, which is not a very secure world because we can't actually access our own life force because we're like cut off at the brainstem. So when I did ayahuasca, it was like quite literally for me, the first time in my life that I ever recall being in my body, like Mm in my body. And and it was like magical. Mm -hmm. I like, I I could connect to my, like all this magic within me that I've never had a felt sense of. I mean, I can intellectually get there about, you know, all my skills and talents and all these like things that I've tried to earn my worth with, but I've never felt it like that secure feeling. So it it was, it was a game changer for me realizing that like that's secure attachment, that, that feeling and most of us are not securely attached that run around chasing after all these things in this culture, right? Mm. So I think that was the doorway. I was like, this is how we get securely attached is we have mm. to get into our bodies. And sometimes it takes medicine to get there. Yeah. It's so it's so interesting to hear you say that because I think when when I <laughs> hear um, the word psychedelic, I, I tend to think of out-of-body experiences. But for you to say that it was the first time that you truly felt in your body. That's a, an incredibly profound Mm. statement to make. It's I've hearing you say that is you, you almost like described perfectly um, the experience that I had um, a a few years ago when I did five MEO DMT and it was like this afterwards, it was almost this, that exact feeling of like almost go a feeling as though, Oh my gosh, this is the first time I think since I've been born that I feel in my body. It was like a rebirth, which I, mm. I don't I don't I don't like saying because I feel like that's such an overused and sort of <laughs> and and also like connotes religion in some weird ways, but it was almost this like, oh whoa, I have a I have I have a body and I can feel things and I can see things and I can I can I can do things and it was mm-hmm. quite a quite an eye-opening experience. So I, I definitely hear you there. I, I I guess one thing before we get too far into it, <clears throat> I think one thing that would be really important to kind of touch on right off the the top here is um maybe someone listening hasn't isn't familiar with what ketamine is or or hasn't heard of ketamine or has heard of ketamine and thought, wait, I thought that was fucking horse tranquilizers. Like, what are you talking <laughs> about here? Um can you, can you explain <laughs> to our listeners? That what <laughs> what is ketamine and uh and 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 why is it being used for uh for therapeutic reasons? Yeah, so 
Yeah, ketamine is one of those medicines that is used across a spectrum, and it's been used for over 50 years. It's considered, you know, a, a it's it's an anesthetic. That's you know, and that, that happens because it was the you know in the clinical trials that initially got ketamine onto the market. That was the indication for use, right? So since then, it's been off used off label for many, 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 many applications, and and now for depression, it's actually considered one of the most dis- important discoveries in. Uh, for depression in the last 50 years. Mm. And, and, and I'm, I'm adding to that PTSD as well. And, and really what it does is it, it, it works. Uh, it's, it's a psychedelic like medicine, which means it has very similar qualities and, and how it works in the brain, but it does work on different systems. So, and, and just to kind of keep it really simple, the way I kind of talk about it is that it puts your brain in a well state. And the, and the reason we our brains are not in well states is because we generally are not securely attached. So we attach, like quite literally, you know, get we're really sticky people. We, we attach to many things that are not. We attach to our labels and our hats and our accomplishments and our childhood stories that we, you know, cycle over and over again. So when you take ketamine, it actually creates, it's like a, um, an extreme form of non-attachment. Um, and, you know, you could go down and call that dissociation, which would not necessarily be wrong, um, mm-hmm. but it, it enables you to, to step back and, and see what is outside of all the narratives that we have con- been conditioned by. So when you see things as they are and you're in your body, and it doesn't always feel good to be in the body when you're not securely attached. So it's not always this amazing, magical thing to be on ketamine in your body, because sometimes all you see is all the noise that has accumulated for many, 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 many years. So it's more of a, an awakening type um, mechanism, I would say, to see things as they are. Mm. I, I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to ask that. I wanted to ask that same question because I, I although I'm familiar with, familiar with, um, you know, things like DMT, ayahuasca, um, psilocybin, and things like that. I've never really in conversation like ketamine. Ketamine, especially in the in in the realm of in the realm of using for using it for treatment, um, for you know certain conditions, I was I'm I'm really not that familiar with it, and I was wondering what its association was when Jer said that at the beginning of in and and put it in the bucket of psychedelics. I wasn't really sure um, what its what its connection there was, um, but also is because ketamine has a like has a history of of, uh, of like medical use, um, and prescription use for certain things. What kind of, um, what kind of headwind does it face in being used for, for, uh, have like new indications, um, that it's used for that, that maybe aren't the same as things like psilocybin that are, you know, like really, breaking new, like breaking new boundaries where they've never been used in medical use really at all in recent history. Yeah. It's, it's complicated for sure is probably the best way to answer that. Cause in some ways ketamine is, is it's been low hanging fruit for us. And, and maybe before I even get to that, I think, um, the other really important thing about the mechanism I just want to share is that I think in our culture, and then this is this is a bit of theorizing based on you know what I'm seeing and what I I believe the research is showing us is that we here in the West in particular um, we don't communicate well between being and doing states we we tend to just do outside of being 
if that makes sense, where like where it's it's more mechanism, but we're not like it's not generally not inspired and full of meaning. We're just kind of getting things done, checking boxes. When with ketamine, what it does for three days after you take it is is it's like it helps communicate that well brain state is the being and the doing come together. Mm. So um, that being said, like when people meditate in more Eastern cultures where they grow up learning how to be in a well brain state, lower brainwave states. Um, they go into the same kind of spaces that ketamine takes people into for Mm. three days. Mm. It's just that in the West, we can't, we very, it's very hard for us to get into being states. We, we often have to use chemicals, breathing techniques. I mean, we got to like push our brain into those lower brainwave states. And some people can't like, especially Mm. when we're looking at PTSD, complex PTSD, it's, it's not even Mm. an option for many. So Anyway, all that to say, there's this glorious window of well brain state after ketamine, where people can really work with the stuff they've been unable to digest, all the trauma stuff, they get stuck. Um, Anyway, Mm -hmm. and then on on the other piece, I think that's the beauty of ketamine, what we're seeing. And and it is, we can use it off label because any medication that's approved, you know, we have physicians that are able to use it off label. Um, it, it, it's political. It is very much political because it is not indicated for mood disorders. I just like that word. That's the Mm. word. Um, we, there's a lot of hesitancy and, and some tension, I think around the colleges of physician and those that are providing. Um, so it's not necessarily a smooth road. Um, but, but it's available, um, at least in part, whereas, Mm. yeah, with, with the psych, Sorry, go for it. No, 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 no. I, no, I cut you off there. Go, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I'm kind of ranting a little bit. I was, I was gonna, I was going to say there has been some leeway, though, right? I, especially where you're working. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the you, you would have recently uh, come into like a federal grant for 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 exploring the use of ketamine in terms of of treating PTSD, especially among um, frontline. Uh, healthcare workers, like within, within, you know, the front lines of COVID? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and I would be remiss to say, like, I don't think any of these medicines work without, um, you know, like a, a, a furthering of connection in the session and mm. outside of the session. So um, yes, we got a grant and, and the biggest part of our grant is not the psychedelics. I mean, that's the sexiest part, but the, the biggest part is actually developing a community of practice that can hold people while mm. they're immersing in a new way of being. Mm. So mm. our old ways like. of being, yeah, sorry, go for it. I, I, I think that's what I like most about, about this, this recent uptake and interest from, from, from the, from the public and from the medical community and in, in seeing how how, uh, you know, these compounds that we typically look at as, as like recreational drugs, uh, being used as, um, being used and being seen for more of their medicinal properties that they can, Mm. that they can offer. But, but also that, that are, that have these attachments to not just the, like the taking of the thing, but also the, like the integration of what comes from the experience of, of taking the medicine yeah. and the work that comes afterwards and that it's not just, you know, just take the, just take it, just take it on this schedule mm-hmm. for however mm-hmm. long it's like, yeah. take it and then think about it and reflect on it and integrate it. And that, yeah. that seems to be present in all of these, in all of these things that are coming up as, and, and these realizations that 
the medical community is, is making in that these things can be used for things like depression or anxiety or PTSD or whatever yeah. it might be. What, what does that process look like? I mean, it, it, you know, like how, how does, how does ketamine assisted therapy differ from, from traditional psychotherapy? Yeah. So we, uh, and you know, everyone's going to kind of do it a bit differently. We've, um, our program has really kind of kept the group model. So we really believe that um, when people become security attached to themselves and others, and they have the felt sense of that, that addictions and all of our neurotic tics and tendencies and attachments tend to fall away. And, and that happens fairly quickly for some, and that happens uh, much slower for others. So the integration process is really about deepening in connection to oneself and others. And all the noise and the, the, the stuck energies, the trauma, um, you know, we don't focus a lot. Some programs do. Our program, we do not. We, we actually really ask people to lay their narratives down for a time so that we can like go in and, and really work with the felt sense of the body rather than staying at the mind. So we do a three month uh, session. It's they, they basically are with the same group of people. There's seven people in each group for the entire three months. They become like family. Uh, we meet weekly and then these sessions are put in, in the midst of that three months. So it's very much becomes, and, and the whole motto is nobody, you don't display, you don't show up with a smile on your face. If you're not feeling good, you don't, it's, mm -hmm. it's getting real, like not lying for, and most of us have lied our entire lives. How are you? Good. Mm -hmm. Really? <laughs> like well, that's, we learn to lie. Right. So the whole thing is like learning how to use your voice authentically so that, you know, being more congruent, developing mm. confidence and agency. So yeah, that, that for us is how it, how it kind of rolls. What, what does that look like for the people who are going through that experience? Are they living their like quote unquote normal day-to-day -day lives between those sessions or are they like advised to, you know, take a leave of absence for work during that time? How, what does that look like? Yeah, when we, I don't think I answered the question, but we were doing health, we're working primarily with healthcare providers that are working. Okay. So yeah, we meet in the evenings, we meet on weekends. Uh, we do, you know, people, because of the uh, plasticity in the brain after ketamine sessions, we ask people to create as much spaciousness and being time as possible, get out of the doing realm. Mm. So, um, you know, they, we ask them to kind of put some time around that, but the integration of, um, you know, work, and I don't look at work as separate from personal, like our work lives have to also be our personal lives. It's right. ridiculous that we go to work, shut ourselves off and then turn ourselves back on when we leave. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, so it, a lot of that is like working as a group with supporting each other and, and the team, just to be really clear, we are not like the clinicians looking down on our patients and pass, giving them spoonfuls of whatever we too show up and get real and, and are in the same process therein. Mm. We are not taking ketamine. Mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we move as we take our hats off. We meet human to human patients and providers are the same. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected. 
Available on all major podcast platforms. In these in these sessions, like what what's the what's the dosage like? Um, I, I mean, not not like specifically like how many milligrams of ketamine, but like are they are are we talking like like high dose? Um, ketamine and, and if so, what, like, what are the, what does that look like for the, for the folks that are receiving the treatment? You know, what, what are they experiencing in those moments? Yeah. So we start with a lozenge first, um, which, which bioavailability is a lot lower. So there, the dosing is going to be even the highest dose is still not as much as the IV and IM. So, um, with that people have a, an opportunity to feel the medicine. So they get comfortable with it. It's more mm. of a social lubricant so they can start going into their bodies and kind of navigating. And then they come to the second and third session, um, with a lot more confidence and kind of at least a bit of an idea of, of the journey that they're going to be on. Um, and for those we do, I am, um, so that's uh, intravenous, right? Or, yeah. or intra, okay. Intramuscular. Okay. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, this is very different than psychotherapy. Like we, mm. um, I don't even like the word psychotherapy anymore. We just call it therapy and, and it is an inner journey. So people, we are trying to create, a, um, a mechanism where people become their own therapists. Mm-hmm. where we give them enough agency to go in for the inner journey, you know, eyes closed. And, and when they come out and start attaching and, and, you know, we, we gently remind them to go back in and, and to really like hold their younger selves with anything that comes up and um, really, yeah. So it is very much a different uh, mm-hmm. process than talk therapy. And and is there like, you know, I, you said eyes closed. I take it there's, are, are they, are, is there music involved in the, in the sessions? Is there, uh, is there, you know, um, uh, sort of guided, um, guided meditation or, or, or t- uh, guided voice, um, kind of encouraging throughout the process or what does that look like? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's one of the most important parts. It's so important. So we have, um, we do this um, because of all of the politics right now. We do this in the basement of a hospital, which we basically take over for a weekend, turn into as much of a yoga studio as we can. <laughs> and then, so people come in and there's like grounding. We, as a group, everyone kind of grounds together, some breathing exercises. We set the structure. So there's no, you know, social anxiety or ambiguity. Um, and People are welcome to kind of move, do stretching, that kind of stuff if they want. And then the music piece is huge. Every single sit is different. We have it curated internally by very talented uh, Phil Dames is my partner that does it. And he is, they're awesome. Yeah, it's a very, um, they all, we actually have headphones now where everyone's listening to the same, they're all hooked into the same system. So, but they're not, they have enough white noise in there that they're not hearing each other so much if mm. things are going on. Mm. Um, yeah. And the music is exactly what guides the entire process. So ketamine doesn't, is not serotonergic. It doesn't create all the like happy chemicals. Um, so the music and being with their clan, the people they feel safe with are kind of the two areas where we do release the serotonin and really help people get through the difficult mm. parts. And the music narrates it beautifully. Mm. Yeah. It, it seems like um, it, it w- the way that you describe that and the way that you describe the experience and like the intention that the intention that you, that you, that you have for the experience of the people that are, that are there with you. And, and in a lot of the language that you use, like, um, like body connection and inner journey and, 
um, like we, we're all yoga teachers. I, I own a yoga studio. I've been in that world for, for over a decade. And so all like language that's very familiar to me, but I can see how that can be a challenge for a lot of people that sort of more, that more like felt sense of things rather than the into intellectualization of how something is supposed to work or what it's supposed to do. So although from where I sit, I'm going, yeah, this all makes a lot of sense. And this is an incredibly like fresh approach to like treatment and how to get well, how, what type of challenges and difficulties, difficulties do you see and face in this offering and, and, and approaching it this way to, to, to help people? Uh, I, I feel like I, I'm like, just want to jump all over you. <laughs> I just have so much to say on this. Um, you know, it, it's, we live in a culture that's afraid to be in their bodies. It, it's like a nightmare for many people because there's so much noise in there, you know, and, and, it, and it's so noisy that there's just no settling. There's no peace. So we stay up. Right. So when it comes to like incur and, and, the only way forward is to get in our freaking bodies. It is the only way. And it is how we will all heal. We have to get back in our bodies because that's where we connect to ourselves and the whole rest of the world. And, you know, the spiritual realms as well. So, yes, I am, you know, like the, the body. Um, and it's not just, you know, we, we also work with energy modalities as well and working on like the, the full sphere um, and recognizing that we are not just brains floating around in the world. And, and that doesn't go well for us. It's making us quite sick. So, so yes, we, um, we spend three months um, with that message. Like most of us coming into the program are only brains. And then we spend three months helping people clear, 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 clear. So they can sit safely in their body outside of all that noise. So it's mm -hmm. the ketamine is really a huge mechanism and other psychedelics to help clear that space. Yeah. So and, people and, can sit in their And bodies. is that something, is that something that you find that like, that the, the, the ketamine is, is the lubricant for that in the way that instead of, instead of, um, instead of like a, like a yoga studio, for example, where you're like, just like, just, just do it for a few months and like, you'll get it with ketamine. Is it kind of like, well, we'll just give you the ketamine and then you'll get it. Yeah, it helps that process along a lot yeah. more. And, and it's not meant to like, there's some, when you just do IV ketamine without all of the, you know, cause it's not the, the ketamine isn't the medicine, right? The medicine is actually unconditional positive regard to yourself and to others, that, that, that connection where people can mm. show up without the self-consciousness, without feeling like they're going to get whack-a-mold when they do, you know, it's, that's the medicine is showing up confidently in the world. Mm -hmm. But the ketamine is yeah. breaking down that boundary yeah. and letting that happen a lot faster and exactly. a lot easier for people. What's right? the, what's yeah. the difference though? Like this may be a dumb question, but it just popped in my head and I'm going to ask it anyway. But like, what's the difference between using ketamine? If, if like the real positive benefit is that unconditional self-love and ability to like get into your body, what, why is ketamine a better choice than like doing some cocaine and getting together in a group of people? Yeah. Thank you. And that, I think that's a great question. Um, because the psychedelic, um, the mode of action with psychedelics is it quite literally like opens the brainstem and gets us down into our spirit bodies. Mm. 
And, and the other, many other um, stimulant uh, drugs, they keep us in the brain. We're mm. at the level of the brain, right? Which is why we're sick because we're mm. stuck here. So it gets the, and, and, and on the scientific level, what it is, it ramps us into brainwave states, like alpha waves, that kind of thing that actually make it enable in those really high states for us to have embodied, an embodied way of being. So there are certain drugs like psychedelics that push us into our bodies, open everything up. Other ones, maybe not right. so much. It's, yeah, a, like, it's almost like an induced med- meditation or meditative it state. Yes, it Psych- is an induced meditation. And, it, and cool. in the brain waves. That is what it is. If you looked at the brainwaves, we would be in a deep meditative state. And that is where all the aha moments happen, right? When we're driving in the car, having the hot shower, when we're in those relaxed states. Totally. So yeah. When you're on psychedelics, yeah. you're sitting in those aha moments mm-hmm. for hours. Yeah. Psychedelics, know? psychedelics kill the ego, whereas stimulants are like junk food for the ego. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I'm, I'm curious to know uh, what the like what kind of risks are associated with um, with ketamine as a as a as a form of therapy. Yeah, so it's kind of across the board. Psychedelics, including um, ketamine, used as a psychedelic, are incredibly low risk. Like very, and and ketamine specifically has been used much more broadly. Maybe not always in. I don't know, the most fruitful ways in the States because they are popping up ketamine clinics like nobody's business on the yeah. IV front. Um, so there's so much data. Like we we have endless amounts of data on ketamine and safety. Um, we There are concerns like, you know, not everyone is eligible, right? If people have unmanaged hypertension, hypertension is a problem with ketamine. It can push the blood pressure up. Uh, so, so things like we just don't take those kinds of, of risks. Um, and we also, we look at the whole person, right? So if people are in an incredibly um, deep state of suffering um, and mental anguish and the, the therapy can help relieve pain on that end, and there might be some risks on this end, it's like we have to balance all of that, mm, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I would say hypertension is probably the the one we watch the most, Um mm. Otherwise, yeah, like it, it's really a quite a benign drug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the on the other side, in terms of like the data around how successful treatments have been, I know that when we spoke to um, our guest uh, Thomas, who was the first uh, uh, approved um, patient for psilocybin treatment in Canada, he was the reason why he was attracted to the psilocybin treatment was because of the stats that were coming out of Johns Hopkins and the research that they were doing, it just seemed so effective that statistically, even as a 50 year old man who had never done psychedelic drugs in his life, he was like, well, you know, I'm feeling this incredible, overwhelming anxiety. And the data shows that this looks like it could help me. I don't see why I wouldn't do it. Is there data like that, um, that, uh, shows the positive impact that ketamine treatment is having? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of data. Um, you know, we we are finding that um, even in our program, most that come in with PTSD leave without PTSD. So wow. it, it's it's exceptional. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's also isn't it also one of the like it, it's being considered right now one of the one of the primary uh, uses for for people who are experiencing treatment resistant depression, right? It's like, it's like the one thing that actually isn't resistant to the depression. 
And there's, and there's two pieces to that because people say, oh, well, you know, the durability of ketamine isn't as good as with psilocybin or mushrooms. But in, in our mind in the program, it, the durability is about one's integration and felt sense of connection inside right. and outside without the chemicals, right? right? So I think that's really where it's at in terms of um, focusing more on where people are landing and the, the, the environment, the set and setting that they're in and supporting mm -hmm. them in a way that um, mm -hmm. will carry them through. Mm -hmm. And my biggest fear in this I, is this idea that um, most of us that have had experience with psychedelics know it's not generally a one hit wonder. I mean, mm -hmm. like people that just kind of go to a ceremony somewhere and then come home are often left more confused and mm -hmm you know, then they came in and, and, and we, in our program are, have people coming in recovering from bad experiences and feeling mm. like dissociated parts and all that. Cause they, they were not held in a container that was secure enough for them to, to do that work. So, yeah. And I, I, I like to underline that cause I, I don't want people just run into the streets and like taking stuff thinking they're going to get healed of their mm -hmm. PTSD. Cause it actually can really make mm. it worse. Mm. Um, it's sort of like the like the ketamine in in this case, and you know, uh, other drugs like uh, psilocybin are they're like the conduit, and the integration is really what like makes that change not Last. so much lasting, but lasting until you because it's something you have to maintain. It's like my yeah. yoga teacher said said to me, um, he was talking about there's the an analogy of the uh, the the pig rolling around in the trough all day being bathed, which is like going to yoga classes, like washing them off and then leaving the room and getting right back into the mud. So like yeah. if, if you're not actually consistently focusing on using those skills to integrate the experience, then mm. it's not going to have that lasting effect. Right. Yeah. And, and like, to be honest, we don't live in a safe world. We do not live in a safe world, even here in Canada, where we lie to each other all day long and we all run around driving the same cars and wearing the same clothes. And like, my God, th this is not how humans were meant to flourish, right? Like mm -hmm. this is this individualistic way of life where we all compete against each other and see who can get to the stage and wear the biggest hat is freaking ridiculous. And, and we, it creates anxious, depressed beings all over the place. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, even when we're maintaining it and we're connected to this culture where we participate in this silly little thing that we all do on the surface, um, it, we can't expect to sustain healing until we really start looking at the Petri dishes that we're living in. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, yeah. So it's, that's it, a lot of, yeah. Go for it. It's, it's interesting because like we, I mean, this is the safest time to be alive, but it's a, a time that like, Physically, we we lose. Yeah, we're we're losing that sense of meaning and purpose because we're so. I mean, just look at if you turn on your TV or open up your laptop or walk down the street, how many ads you're being served and how those advertisements are working to manipulate you into making impulse decisions and and you're going to your job to make money because you want to get that next thing or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Like we're motivated by status and things like this, where you know when you think of us as organic beings and, you know, until we evolved into living in these civilizations where we started to have to rely on the interactions of like commerce with one another, we sort of missed the purpose of what it means to really 
be alive and and live with that sense of of meaning. Brian, so, are you a are you a fucking communist? What's going on here? Uh, yeah, I am. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Hey, it works well on paper. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, what, but what's but the, yeah, uh, so like you have to make an effort to to really. And I guess you said it earlier, like in the Western world, in particularly, like you have to make that extra effort to like develop mm. these techniques to really just be with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And find people that you can be with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, what is the, what's the accessibility like for, um, for this treatment in, uh, I'm assuming, uh, of specifically in Canada. Um, uh, and I, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking a lot of the, of the people that, uh, well, everybody, but, but the people that jumped to my, mind immediately are people that have been people that have been through the gauntlet of of uh medications and treatments that have really Mm. just kind of like Mm -hmm. you know either not worked or you know have really just done the bare minimum to you know to 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 walk through the world um and instead of instead of you know they thrive and feel and feel and feel you know really great about themselves and 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 managed in their in their uh conditions uh, yeah, like what's that accessibility like um, around Canada? How does it? How does somebody? How does somebody enter into a treatment program that that could help them? And to just to piggyback on that question too, Tay, I'll slip this in because I think it's a good time. Uh, we we also had a question come in from one of our patrons, which which I think would be good to add to this. Um, is the is this therapy covered by any major health insurance providers? <clears throat> That's a loaded question, and, and so. Um, this gets me really worked up too. So we are, the program that uh, we run is 100% public. We are through a university and a health authority. There is no profit. Everything goes back into the program. And uh, many of us volunteer a ridiculous amount of volunteer hours around it to try and really try and keep the cost down. And it's expensive. It's mm. very expensive. So, and, and when I say that, I mean, it's $5,850 for three months, which in you know, like considering all that one gets in that, it, it's it's not, but it is mm. for middle class and mm. under families. It's just, it's hard to access. So mm. we get sponsors to um, scholarship mm. people, but this, and, and yet uh, um, all of these psychotropics, antidepressants that are showing only work for 20% of the population, if that, uh, that's suffering, um, then they're free. So most of them are free and as is your visit to a psychiatrist and all that free. Um, but the, the results are not that good in terms of their efficacy. So then we have this other program where most people that come in leave come positive in some, you know, lovely, ridiculous category that we all label ourselves in and then leave without that category on them. And we are not covered and it, it's it's really frustrating because well, um, is that the yeah. stat twenty percent of psychiatric like psychiatrically prescribed yes. medications are 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 effective for the for for twenty percent of the population twenty percent of those that are in mental distress it only mm. works for twenty eighty percent are considered treatment resistant because the those wow. drugs are not working that's crazy and, and that's to be really clear we. We are not necessarily, most of us are not depressed because of our biology. We're depressed because we're disconnected. And to treat everybody based on, oh, you must, you need more serotonin in your brain. Let's give you a pill and not deal with the um, 
spiritual distress and disconnection at the very root of it all is just a bit silly. Mm -hmm. Is most of that disconnection due to trauma? Yeah. So there's, um, I, I work our, our, I work with a psychiatrist in the program, uh, Crosby Wilder. So I'm going to steal this from him. Um, fantastic thought leader in this area, but he really, he considers, uh, poverty, trauma, and disconnection, the three things that are taking us down, mm -hmm. trauma, poverty, disconnection, mm -hmm. not biology that you go and take a little pill for, and it goes away. Right. Like, so it's, it's, if we can't touch on all three of those, um, we're not really going to get to what the source is. So, and, and the trauma piece is really being stuck up in our brains. We actually cannot integrate all of the stuck energies as kids when we were in our most disempowered place, even when we're in our empowered place as adults, many of us have way more resources and power in the world. We can't access those oppressive energies that are stuck in us. So we live mm -hmm. out of them. Mm -hmm. Right. So the, the, meds might quiet the noise down there those stuck energies might get quieted but they're still very much there mm. right at at least at a subtle level and that keeps us from flourishing in the world we might not be suicidal but it, we're not exactly flourishing well shannon <clears throat> i gotta say this is uh like i said at the <clears throat> very top of the conversation um always excited to to dive into this this type of topic and um you you've provided lots of food for thought and we are very grateful that you've taken time out of your day to share this with us and our listeners um i guess before we before we send you off um you know maybe there's someone out there who who's still kind of on the fence about this idea of psychedelics as a as a form of therapy um because of the stigma that they've they've associated with with psychedelics and quote-unquote drugs um their whole life because of the world that we find ourselves in and the history of, of psychedelics. What would you say to those people? Um, what, what would you want them to know about psychedelics and its, its place in treating people with mental health issues? I would say it's not for everybody. And, and, and until somebody's ready. So like courage is what happens when like meaning overcomes fear, right? So it, it's, and for some people, it's just not going to be meaningful enough. To, to go down that road and that there's no judgment there. And for other people, and especially those that have been suffering a very long time, the meaning to, to step out and, and try something that the evidence is saying might, might be helpful. I, I think, I think we'll get people there when they're ready. So I, I don't think there's, I don't, I would never want to rush or push anybody to do this. I think everyone kind of finds it. That's meant to find it um, at the time that they're ready to find it. Um, and I, I also just want to caution people that these are not magic bullets. Like they don't work if you don't have the right container around you. And that doesn't mean it has to be in a system. Doesn't mean there's not, you know, ceremonies happening underground that are really healing people. Um, it just means that I, I really like it to land in a secure nest. And I mean, secure energetically, all of it relationally, and do this work in that kind of security is exactly what heals us. It's it's tuning in to a more secure way of being. Mm. So just really recommending people don't settle for an insecure set and setting because um, that really actually works in that really malleable state. It will work against them. So there's mm. a bit of a kind of cautionary story that they're incredibly promising. People are absolutely healing um, and um, just 
yeah, there's a lot of, I think, respect and sacredness maybe to be taken um, as people mm. go forward as well. Well, Dr. Shannon Dames, thank you so much for uh, for this. This was really, really great. Thank you, guys. And uh, yeah, I'm like Talkie Tammy on this. So thank you for bearing with all my little mini rants. Um, Talkie Tammy is perfect. It. That's, that's yeah. exactly who that's we want what, showing up to these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is it for today. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, make sure that you share our podcast with your friends. We love those extra ears. Sick Boy Podcast is a Snack Labs production. It is produced by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, Brian Stever, and Lauren Sankey. Sound design is coming to you from Donovan the Meerkat Morgan. The music of the show is from our friend Rich O'Coin. And Sick Boy Podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis. That is it for today. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.